farmer's daughter. Take one. I need to be famous, Wayne. All the best people are. There ain't nobody else out there like you. You know why? Why? Because you got that X factor. Our days of struggling may soon be over. Hollywood, here we come. Our own studio backlog. I'm looking for a place to stay. Oh, yes, sir. That's one ugly song, bitch. And my wife, Pearl, is next door. So I would appreciate a little discretion. He don't know what we're doing, does he? Well, it's better to beg for forgiveness and ask for permission. Would you like to come inside? I want to be in a movie. Well, you can't. The story can't just change midway through. If Daddy catches us, there's no telling what he might do. My wife is not well. It happens after dark. Inside. What do you think is on it? Let's see one goddamn fucked up horror picture. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest episode of Fresh Cuts. This is Mike, and joining me as always, it's Mr. Venom. What's up, Venom? How are you? Greetings and salutations, perverts. How the hell are you doing, Mike? <laughs> I'm doing all right. I am doing well. Uh... We're recording a little bit later this week, but... Uh... Yeah, yeah, Beverly Hills kind of fucked me this week. Uh, quick story, I had tickets, I had a ticket to go see the movie Sunday morning. It was literally the only convenient showing of the movie that I could see, and I had to go to Beverly Hills. It was literally the only theater showing it before, like, three in the afternoon, which is kind of my cutoff to watch a movie for various reasons. I won't get into that. Anyway, it turns out there's some kind of farmer's market or something going on right around the theater. And the cops uh, that are kind of patrolling the area are just directing traffic. And they're literally directing traffic in a giant fucking circle. And uh, Google Maps wasn't able to help me find a way around it. None of the cops that I spoke to were able to help me find a way around it. So after about a half hour of trying to get through this farmer's market so I could get to the AMC in Beverly Hills, I just said, fuck it. And I went home. And unfortunately, I did not have another convenient time to see the film until last night, which was Wednesday. So, yes, we're a little late with the episode this week. It is 100 percent my fault. Should I say it's like 50 percent my fault and 50 percent Beverly Hills police fault. So, yeah, that's that's your story for the week. Hey, never blame Beverly Hills 
please, for their force. They gave us Eddie Murphy, for crying out loud. <laughs> I thought Detroit gave us Eddie Murphy. <laughs> yeah, but he solved crimes for Beverly Hills more than he did for them. Very true. <laughs> All right. Joining us, as always, as well, it's Don. How are you, Don? Yeah, doing good. Always great to be here. <laughs> All right. Well, today we're going to be covering uh, the movie. It should not be a surprise to anybody. We're covering Ty West X. Um, and uh, I don't know what else to say about it other than the synopsis. Well, for now, I mean, um, not much going in. Uh, it's Ty West. He's been away from, I guess, the horror genre for a minute, a few years. So this is kind of, I guess, his return to the genre, at least like theatrically. So. Uh, let's see what we got. Uh, directed and written by Ty West, stars Mia Goth, Jenna Ortega, and Brittany Snow. And Well, those are the top three build, at least. And our synopsis is, in 1979, a group of young filmmakers set out to make an adult film in rural Texas. But when their reclusive elderly hosts catch them in the act, the cast find themselves fighting for their lives. Ooh, all right. So, with that set up, we will get into Jenna. General thoughts, and we'll go to Venom first. What did you think of Ty West's X? Yeah, yeah, I thought the Eaten Alive remake was really good. I, a lot better than I thought <laughs> it would be. And if you don't think this was the Eaten Alive remake, you, my friends, have not seen Eaten Alive. But uh, I'll leave that alone for now. Yes, this was a great movie. I, I had a really good time with this one. <clears throat> it's not necessarily my favorite movie of the year so far. I could think of like one or two others. But this is a solid top three for 2022 so far. Once again, Ty West hits it out of the park. Um, one of my favorite directors out there. I mean, I don't know that there's a Ty West movie I don't like. Even his non-horror stuff is mildly enjoyable. But I consider stuff like The Sacrament, The Innkeepers, and House of the Devil some of my favorite movies ever. And I got to say that with this movie, I can officially say that Ty West is probably one of the best directors for replicating that 70s aesthetic. Between this film and House of the Devil, um, I, I don't know any other director that can pull that off as well. I mean, shit, I wish Ty West would have directed the new Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Might have been really good. But anyway, as as you start this film, I'm just I'm so impressed with how it legitimately looks like something that was shot in 1979 it look it looks like a 1979 movie that just got a 4k release so it's all crystal clear and really nice looking but still with the use of lighting and uh shadow that i kind of mentioned during that texas chainsaw massacre 2022 review um ty west does it even more expertly here so yeah just great job on the aesthetic a pretty fun story, you know, nothing we haven't seen before. You know, like I said, some folks go to, you know, stay at a uh, a guest house of an old couple. They find out the old couple is a little bit more nefarious than they thought they were, and shit hits the fan from there. We've seen it before. We'll see it again. But I will say this one is really, really good. We've got some great kills. Uh, the very first kill in the movie is a very intense kill. Um, especially for me, because I really liked that character. Um, I was actually really hoping that he would survive the movie, um, which I'll get into in the spoiler section. But, um, you know, great score, great aesthetic. Oh, sound design, some beautiful sound design, especially at night with the crickets and the wind blowing through the, um, you know, the tall grass and everything. It's just really, really well done. Great performances from Mia Goth and Jenna Ortega. You know, I'm, I'm not, I don't consider myself necessarily a fan, 
of anybody involved in this movie, but I thought everyone did really, really well. It's just, it's the kind of thing where I'm looking at, uh, you know, Maya Goth. Is it Maya or Mia? I don't know. I'm just going to say Maya. Um, Looking at Maya Goth and Jenna Ortega as a 50-plus-year-old man, it's just they look like 15-year-olds to me. And and I'm watching these girls that look like 15-year-olds having sex with a black porn star. It's a little off-putting. Obviously, if you're in your 20s and you're watching this movie, then you're probably right on board with naked Mia Goth and almost naked Jenna Ortega. Um, But overall, yeah, I had a really good time with this film. Um, considering the storyline of this film, this film could have delved into like parody really, really easily. And it avoids that at no point did I feel like it was, you know, a satire. I think satire would be a better word than parody. This, this film could easily have fallen into satire. And in my opinion, it does not, it keeps its serious tone, um, very grounded in reality. Um, I love the backstory. What little backstory we got for Pearl. I, I really, really liked And then the whole thing is capped off with what is potentially my favorite post-credits scene since um, M. Night Shyamalan split, when we got the reveal that split was actually a sequel to um, Unbreakable. So, yeah, great post-credits scene, really good film, satisfying ending, an incredibly satisfying ending for somebody like me. I know you guys, uh, you know, anybody who listens knows I'm not a big fan of ambiguous endings or, you know, things like that. Ah, there's no ambiguity to the, to this ending. This this is a very the, to the point ending. Um, like I said, it's it's mildly triumphant. Obviously, it's a horror film. So, you know, happy endings don't really exist. But yeah, overall, a really, really good time with this one. Easily top three for 2022. And I'll stop now for general thoughts because I got a lot to say once we get into spoilers. Okay, we'll move it on over to Don. I don't know why I wanted to say Doug, but it's Don and Ellie, <laughs> not Doug. <laughs> <laughs> I had to like hold on the D sound for a minute because I'm like, duh, Don. But uh, Don, what did you think of X? Yeah, um, I, I gotta echo a lot of what he said. Um, the '70s aesthetic looks great. Um, I, I kind of almost was like him at certain points, and uh, you, you just get transported into that kind of atmosphere um, really easily, which I kind of like. Um, it really kind of helps, uh, you know, sell like the grittiness and the grimy atmosphere that's going on, especially once you know the bodies start dropping and you know they go crazy and everything just you know explodes from there. Uh, Felt a little too long. Um, probably could have trimmed a few minutes here and there, but um, I'm only saying that because it's uh, the only real issue I have with this. Because I loved every second of it. Um, yeah, the, the the kills are great. The action is fun. Uh, a lot of the you know set pieces around the farm are just so much fun. Um, love the surprise twist and uh, somewhat of the uh, reference to uh, the Eaten Alive remake. Um, when once we get that, oh, that was so much fun uh you know my creature loving heart kind of enjoyed that seek that kind of reveal yeah. a little bit more than the, a little bit more than i think it uh, probably was going to be for most other audiences but yeah um fantastic use of that um fantastic use of that um kind of like with the the original eaten alive war i think that was like the best part of the that movie um that that was my favorite part of this one as well although unlike eaten um, enjoyed the rest of this one, whereas Eaten Alive is the only, the only thing I like with that one is uh, the Bet Gator. Uh, yeah. That I I don't really care for uh, the original Eaten Alive, but uh, yeah, other than that, I, I, 
I, I got to say this to just impress the hell out of me because I, I I don't really care for Ty West work. Um, my favorite film of his before this was Cabin Fever Two. So, wow. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, the, yeah. I'm kind of on the outlier where I don't really care for him. Um, House of the Devil, I think, is just absolute trash. Um, I like The Roost, but I don't really love it. Um, you know, it's rough and raw, and it's kind of, you know, an obvious, you know, debut kind of a film. Mm-hmm. Innkeepers is okay. Um, I, I love the last act of that one, but I'm not sold on just, you know, them parting around the cat, the parting around the hotel that much. So it kind of takes me a while to get into it, but um, once it gets going, I love it. I don't remember the sacrament at all. You could mm-hmm. quiz me on you can quiz me on that, and I would completely fail it. I I I don't remember a single thing. That's the found footage one, right? Yeah, the the uh, the Jonestown one. Yeah. Okay, yeah, because I always get that one in uh, something called the Tenement confused because oh. they're kind of <laughs> yeah yeah because they're kind of you know similar uh, themes and they kind of came out around the same time. So it, yeah, um, I I I really need to rewatch the Sacrament because um, you know you could you know you could get, quiz me right now on it and I would completely fail it. I I don't remember anything, but. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this was a an absolute blast. Like Venom said, top three, um, eh, maybe a little lower than that, uh, just because I think there's going to be some actual good films to come out later this year that I'm kind of hyped for. Mm-hmm. And um, prepping for my other stuff, I haven't really get gotten as caught up as I wanted to with twenty with what's come out already. So uh, I'm a little bit behind. So I think there's there's a few that are pretty highly rated that I haven't gotten to yet, but. And in terms of this one, I I, I can't disagree anymore. Um, you know, it's fun, it's fast, it's zippy. You know, the kills are great. The couple is fantastic. I love the main group, the you know porn shoot. You know yeah. what they do. And thank fucking God for nudity. I am so 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 happy to not have to go to Pornhub to get my fix anymore. Because <laughs> let me tell you, even though you can still do that. It, there's something to be said for putting on nudity in your main screen room without having those freaking ads and, you know, suggested videos pop up underneath it when you're watching. <laughs> Cause that kind of ruins the experience a lot. So Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, not having to do that. Uh, you know, thank God I missed it. <laughs> maybe it's quarantine. Maybe it's not having been laid in a while, but God, I miss nudity. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Um, you know, Kudos to that, you know, I mean, I, I can't add much else to that, but, uh, you know, loved it all around. Could have maybe trimmed maybe five, ten minutes off of this, but, yeah, my only complaint about this one, because, yeah, I, I'm right there with him. I, I loved it as well, so about all I have to add. All right. Well, um, since you kind of ended on the nudity thing, I'll just double down on that and. I, I I know well I know a lot of people are going to be like you know is nudity necessary in movies all the time and I I would say it's not always but in a movie like this that it leans into its sleaze like that it's part of the plot in this movie so to me it would almost be ridiculous not to have some kind of nudity uh that, you know it doesn't mean like every five minutes we need nudity or anything but. I mean, part of this plot is filming an adult movie, so you would expect at some point there's going to be uh, some, some kind of nudity. And, you know, you're leaning into an R-rated, you know, um, more graphic-type movie, especially uh, in the 
horror genre. So if there's any movie that's gonna just do it, it's this. I mean, it was it was kind of nice. You know, there there weren't like the awkward edits or cuts where like you would expect it to be. They they just kind of went for it. Ty West stuck to it. Um, but yeah, overall, I had a fun. Like I, I think, kind of along the lines of what Venom said. I'd have to see it again to say if it's my number one so far, but it's probably the most fun I've had at the theater, at least this year so far, where I was just, I actually saw a couple of people walk out and I'm like, well, they, I don't know if they didn't see a trailer or they didn't understand what this movie, like what it was kind of like the, you know, 2022's version of, because I'm like, if you knew the movies that this obviously was influenced by, you would have understood what you were getting. Um, but I found that kind of amusing that, you know, people actually walked out. That's crazy. Um, how do you, how are you going to walk out on one of the best horror movies of the year so far? Uh, you know what? I think, it, I think it just goes to show that like some people and you know, it is what it is, but I think some people, they just don't know, you know, when a movie like, okay. Yeah. When it's like, okay. A 24 Ty West. Maybe that just doesn't mean anything to a lot of people. And they're just like, oh, a horror movie's coming out. I'm going to go check it out. And they don't look up anything about the movie. Um, now, I know, Venom, you tend to not do that. But just from the name Ty West, you kind of understand like what he usually goes for with his aesthetics and stuff. So yeah, you don't even need to do the extra research. But I'm just talking about more casual people. You would, you would think the casual crowds would somewhat try to know what they're going in for. But maybe, you know, there's still people that apparently don't. Well, well, the, the thing is, is that I, I don't want to cut you off on this, but the thing is, is that Ty West isn't exactly a known name for normies. So it's not like, you know, it's not like, you know, um, you know, you're going to get like a Jordan Peele or, you know, an Ari Aster or somebody like that who they've gotten a little bit more of a mainstream name recognition attached to them. So they're going to be people are going to be a little familiar with their name. You know, Ty West is a name that, you know, I mean, the last film he did was The Sacrament, I believe. So No, I mean, no, he did, um, uh, what was it? It was a non-horror movie. It was The Valley of the Something. I can't remember. I, I know, but I'm saying, like, uh, you cut me off. I said his last genre feature. Ah. Yeah. I still think um, he did one since then, hasn't he? I could be wrong. You're probably right. I, I, well, I even, know, even, if, even if we forget the name Ty West, like, I guess they never saw, like, a promo for this or anything, because... Well, yeah, Maybe. but I'm just saying is that if, but I'm just saying is that my point is that if you're going into this knowing, oh, it's a horror film by Ty West, you're not necessarily going to get the same kind of an audience recognition that knows Ty West because he hasn't done genre fare in a while for a normal audience mm-hmm. to get the name out there. Because yeah, like, yeah, every, yeah. No, I agree just, on. I agree on the I'm name just saying is that, Ty West. I'm just talking about peer, like, did you not see any type of trailer or promo or anything? Because there's. Other than, like, nothing about this surprised me as far as, like, the nudity and gore and, well, like... Well, it kind of does because... It, it kind of does because it, it, it does feel a little bit like a departure because everything else is, like, slow burn atmospheric stuff. Even kind of... You could kind of say, you know... I mean, The Roost is kind of, you know, in that vein. Um, House of the Devil is in that vein. Innkeepers is in that vein. Um like I said, it's been a while since I've seen Sacrament, but it's kind of, you know, a art housey slow burn kind of stuff. Yeah. So this one's kind of the, the lone departure, much like Cabin Fever 2 is. But, I mean, he kind of doesn't really have much to do with that. So, mm-hmm. um, 
Yeah, well, no, that's what I'm saying. Like, if if I'm just saying from the trailer itself, yeah, or like even like the TV. I don't even know if it had TV spots because it's the type of movie it is. I I can't, I can't recall ever seeing anything on. There was a couple on TV. YouTube that I remember skipping just because I didn't want to see it. Well, yeah, yeah. You, God, YouTube throws it. Uh, it's so bad with ads now. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's straight up a movie about people shooting a porn in the seven like. I don't know. That's what I'm saying. Like, maybe they just had no idea going in. Because, I don't know, if you tell me your movie's about people, a massacre happening after people are shooting a porn, I might not expect this much nudity, but I would not be surprised if tits came across the screen at some point. (laughs) Maybe it was just, maybe it was just too much sex for them and they weren't expecting it. I don't know. Like, There's really only two sex scenes in the whole damn movie. It's so weird. And the Maya Goth one was actually really, really well shot. I, they probably didn't even make it that far. They probably just got to the first one, which was Brittany Snow and Kid Cudi. Yeah, yeah it's uh, since it's a, since it's been a little long, longer between me watching it and us recording. I can't remember exactly what point they walked out, but um, but I want to say it's before like any of the major kills happen. Because I feel like the I feel like kills and like who doesn't expect that? So I'm like it couldn't have been because of kills. It had to have been something else. But anyways, um, back to just general thoughts. Um, yeah, this is like the aesthetic. I, like if you're gonna t- if you're telling me uh, your movie takes place in the 70s out in rural Texas, it should look like this. And this is this was a well done uh job cinematography wise too i like the setting i like the setup i like the fact that uh when the kills start happening you don't know exactly why and you're trying to put it together um with you know little bits and pieces of dialogue here and there and then obviously like more clues get dropped in and then you kind of finally get like the other shooter drop towards the end and um i liked the result like uh, to me it was just a fun movie i i, I like the characters for the most part you know everyone was cool um <clears throat> what else what else uh yeah i got a kick out of the old couple they cracked me up even though you know oh, not that I'm great. yeah yeah not that i was like <laughs> rooting for them but it's just they they cracked me up i i, I, I was kind of rooting for them <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and then of course, like I love like kind of like the the batshit esque reasoning behind um, what they're doing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that kind of cracked me up. And then, uh, I mean, how can you go wrong with some elderly people sex, right? Ah, <laughs> oh, yeah, dude, octogenarian butt naked sex, rock on, sign me up. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I think this this movie kind of managed to do everything you would want in this style. It's like. There's a few laughs, but not like joke laughs and yeah. gore, nudity, uh, and it, it doesn't really like I like I love when you watch a movie like this and it doesn't feel like the director or in this case director and writer Ty West it doesn't feel like he had really had to hold back on anything and I think I even saw like a little small interview with him um, where someone actually asked him like well you know it is rated R and it's in the theater does that mean like there was like major stuff you had to cut to get that. He said, no, not really. He said, he said there might be like, you know, a few seconds here and there, but he's like, for the most part, I got everything into the movie that I wanted. So that's cool. I mean, I, I'm, I'm glad he managed to make the movie he wanted to make. 
That's a weird question to ask him. It's not like he's known as a gorehound director. That's, That's kind of what I was saying. Yeah, I mean, this is kind of like you know, completely left field from his from his previous career. Sure. Yeah, I mean, I would say almost when it comes to the MPAA, though, I mean, they're it's not always just gore; it's like nudity too. They get oh yeah weird about well the nudity people. and the simulated sex. Right, exactly. Yeah. So I, I think it was just more a general question about anything in the movie, not just kills and gore. But he said no. He said it, he pretty much got to do everything he wanted to do. Not like he's going to put penetration in the damn movie. Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, maybe maybe he's like, oh, the sex scenes were 30 seconds longer or something, so I cut him down, but nah, he didn't, he didn't say that. But anyways, I guess to summarize my general thoughts, yeah, I loved it. Everyone should go see it, because um, who knows how long it's going to be in theaters, and go support this shit. Like, the hard, like, to me, yeah. this is the type of movie that people are asking for, yet, like, Venom said, yes, it does resemble movies that came before it, or another way to put it is it wears its influences on its sleeves, but at the same time, you know, if if you want hard R horror returning to the theater, then go see this and support it and let the studios know. I mean, it it's A24, I think, is going to be friendly to this type of stuff anyway, but like, if you want like the bloom houses or other similar studios to put out this kind of stuff then you got to go see it they don't care that you're going to watch it you know on netflix in 18 months from now that's not what's going to get it made for the theater so uh, i'll stop there general thoughts <laughs> um don was talking about earlier about his favorite scene was uh, one of the scenes with the with the alligator which we'll talk about later but surprisingly and this might actually surprise a few people my favorite scene in this movie is the fleetwood mac scene believe it or not i just found myself so entrenched in that scene and and britney snow can fucking sing (laughs) go girl i I thought she did a great job uh kid you know if that's actually her voice of course and then of course if that's actually kid cuddy playing the guitar I thought they did a great job. And, 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 you know, considering the mood, you know, that was going on at the time with people kind of going back and forth at each other. And then just out of nowhere, they, you know, they sing Landslide by Fleetwood Mac. And I'm just like, holy shit. I, I don't think I've ever loved this song as much as I do right now. It, it just was the perfect song for them to perform there. I, I absolutely loved it. And I, I just found myself in the theater like holy shit why do i love this scene just the way it's shot the way the camera's moving britney snow's voice kid cuddy's playing what happens just before this scene and then what happens just after this scene with uh jenny ortega's character's uh sudden decision that we'll also talk about later i, I just feel like uh, th- this was just the perfect interlude in between those two scenes i i it's weird that a, a fucking, you know, a couple of people singing a song is my favorite scene in a horror film, but ultimately it really was. I just, I absolutely loved it. Um, oh, what else can we say that's not really spoilery? Um, hmm. Great, obviously we've already talked about the kills, great kills, great score. I mean, there's not really anything really to get too I, negative about um i liked uh i like the b movie matthew mcconaughey in the director role <laughs> i like it i like it discount matthew mcconaughey <laughs> yeah um, he, he was cool that's and like that's that's the thing it's like a movie uh, 
Ty West managed to write characters that for the most part I enjoyed all of them where it's like you're not rooting for them to get killed but you know it's a horror movie and it's going to happen so you're just kind of enjoying what's happening on screen yes absolutely yeah i mean i i mean that intro that cold open sets up such a great mystery just for what the fuck happened there basically the the movie opens with the police arriving at the house the next morning after all the events have taken place and then the, uh, the movie basically goes back 24 hours and then we see the events that led up to that. But just just the cops walking around the property, finding bodies and then going down to the basement and we get that little kind of, you know, mysterious reaction to something on the wall, which we don't find out what that is until much later in the film. I just thought that was a great little cold open to set up the festivities. Ah oh, man, yeah. Uh, I mean, we're gonna. We're, this is this is gonna end up being a love fest because this movie was just so damn good. I I really can't think of too many negative things to say. I will say that there is one, and I mentioned it earlier. There was one character that was killed that I kind of would would have liked to have seen get away from this whole situation. But uh, but the thing is, is that that kill is one of the best kills in the goddamn movie. It is fucking spectacular, but, you know, like I said, we'll get into that in the spoiler section. I don't know, gentlemen, anything else we can say that doesn't involve spoilers? Mm, I'm trying to think, and I'm not coming up with much. Yeah. Um, This movie has what I call the A24 shot in it. Um, It's in here twice, actually, and what I call the A24 shot is that really, really long shot that's just a static shot. It just, you know, it's just the camera's not moving, and then we see way in the distance, we'll see some people kind of walk across the camera line. Uh, They do that twice in the movie. Once when our group first gets to the farm and the camera Mm kind of pans back to show the guest house on the left. That's one of the A24 shots. And then later on, when the uh, the group of people, after they get settled in and uh, they're being walked over to the guest house by the old man, there's the A24 shot again. So, yeah, even though um, this is a Ty West movie and ultimately it probably would have looked the exact same if Warner Brothers or whoever the fuck else did it. Maybe, maybe not. Of course, the bigger the studio, the more interference they're going to have. But uh Man, do I love that A24 shot, especially in this kind of setting where it's kind of like farmland with lots of tall grass. Yeah, that shot was just gorgeous. Sun beaming down, tall, yellow, uh, probably wheat grass, not wheat grass, but like wheat, that kind of, you know, the tall grass that kind of looks like wheat. So, yeah, just really, really well done. So what do you say? Spoiler time? Yep, let's do it. Let's do it. Ah! not much of a walkthrough really i mean we've already talked about you know our group of uh kids who are going out uh to film a porn without the permission of the hosts basically we're looking at three women mia goth jenna ortega and britney snow at first uh maya goth and britney snow are the only two uh performers female performers in the movie but then later on in the film something happens which we'll get to that kind of ends up involving jenna ortega in the film as well uh, Lorraine, I believe, was her character. Bobby Lynn was Brittany Snow. And, of course, Mia Goth as Maxine. And, actually, Mia Goth doing a dual role in this one. What would you guys think of the dual role? Like, I I, I actually liked her better as the old lady. <laughs> I don't know. Um, not to say that her performance was bad. Not by any stretch of the imagination. 
but just something about how she pulled off the sadness of that old woman and the desperation of what she wanted <laughs> that we find out later what she wanted. But yeah, I mean, what'd you think of that? And initially, my first depression was this was like, you know, the Tilda Swinton stunt casting yes. in the Suspiria remake. But I, I believe this has to be the setup for the prequel. This has to be. Yep. I would say so. Oh, it yeah. is for sure. Yeah. I mean, oh, yeah. It makes total sense, too. The post credit yeah. scene pretty much confirms it. Oh, yeah. Well, well I mean, no, I I'm just saying that I. Scene- that's something that that's a conversation that we'll have too at the end too. Yeah. I mean, how I mean, real is that post credit scene? <laughs> I mean, the, the, yeah, you fig, you figure that this post credit scene has to tell that story, but yes, I I mean I it, it makes sense that that's kind of what it made sense as it was going along why they put her in that role, you know why she's the old lady because you know that's kind of where it's gonna go and I I, I assume the prequel has to be her playing the the, the old mother character. At, you know, at that kind of an age, yeah. I, I, it has to be it. Absolutely. Yeah, they've already said it. It's already actually filmed. So it is. Oh, okay. See, I wasn't sure because I wasn't yeah. sure if it was one of those like just play things, like the trailers before a Quentin Tarantino movie that they're just kind of fake that they throw together for entertainment. I wasn't sure if that was actually a real well, film or if that was just no, thrown I, in there as like a teaser, like no, not a teaser I, for an action film no, but maybe a teaser already, for funding or something no he's already said he's filmed it but i i didn't know what it was I've never yeah, yeah i understand i'm just i'm just getting my point across on yeah, what I, I, I thought <laughs> yeah I, i'm just saying i i know it's i know it's already filmed i'm just saying i don't know what it actually is so yeah. as as i'm saying as it's going along it's just ticking those boxes it's like okay this has to be the setup for the prequel this has to be the setup and i i would i don't know how it would play for somebody that didn't know that because I was kind of because I already knew going in that that was that there is a secret that there was a secret prequel. Well, now so you know. Because I, so I, <laughs> I didn't know. <laughs> what I'm just saying is that I, I would I would love to know how that impacted you because. No, oh, I love I love that. I mean, like I said, as I said earlier, it's probably my favorite post credit scene in horror since Split, since M. Night Shyamalan Split, which, you know, I know I know didn't really affect a lot of people, but I am such a huge fan of Unbreakable. Up until that point, Unbreakable was my favorite, and, and, and actually probably still is my favorite M. Night Shyamalan movie. Um, but yeah, this post credit scene, whether it was a real movie or not, I absolutely loved it. I'm like, that was fucking perfect. And what's funny is that there was probably... 20 to 25 people in the theater last night when I went to see it, everyone left except for me and one other person. And we both literally applauded that post credit scene and everybody missed it. Oh, so sad. <laughs> yeah. I remember I, well, I pretty much have a habit of just staying for every movie now past the credits. Cause you never know. Oh no, I've always been a credits watcher. My whole yeah, I mean, for as long as I can remember, I have too. But for this specific one, I remember seeing like a headline of something posted, talking like. I hate that they do that shit. Fuck that. The post credit scene should be a reward for people who stay. Yeah. If you tell people ahead of time that there's one, I don't know. I don't. I don't think they deserve it because then they're only staying because they know it's there. See, I, as I've mentioned earlier, I have always been a credits viewer. I've always been interested on who does the sound design, who 
cast the movie. Fuck, who does the catering? I don't care. When I see names that are familiar to me, it's like, oh, cool, they worked on this as well, and blah, blah, blah. So, yeah, I've always been a credits watcher. But to tell people that it has a post-credits scene, then people are only watching the credits, not because they're interested in who's in the movie. They just want to see the damn scene at the end, which... eh. Yeah, there, there should be a special place in hell for those kinds of reviewers. (laughs) <laughs> thank you, Don. Yeah. And yeah. I can say that I can say that because I am a reviewer. So <laughs> there you go. <laughs> All right. So we've gotten through our intro. Oh wait. Well, we've talked about the three girls. Uh, let's talk about the guys uh, as well. We've got our director. Um, I believe that's Wayne, right? Played by Martin Henderson. Um, kind of your average, uh, like Mike calls him, a discount Matthew McConaughey. He's got the Texas accent, he wears a hat, you know, he wears the boots, he's, he's got the thick accent, blah, blah, blah. Uh, we have RJ, played by Owen Campbell, who is our cameraman. He is also the boyfriend of Jenna Ortega's character, Lorraine. Uh, we'll talk about her a little bit more here. And then rounding out the group is uh, Kid Cuddy. Uh, playing Jackson, and he is, of course, the male porn star of the film, the only male porn star of this film. Lucky bastard. Um, I know, man. What a lucky guy. <laughs> yeah, really. It's so crazy. I, like, I was I was convinced the director was going to get in there, especially because the director and Maya Goth's character are actually in a relationship. They actually are together. So, like, I, I honestly thought he was going to be in the movie, too. But, nope, he's only behind the camera. So, that's basically our setup. Our group gets to the farm. Um, they meet uh, the old couple. Oh, God, uh, Pearl, of course, is the uh, the woman, uh, the old lady, also played by Maya Goth, of course, as we've already mentioned. And which one was the old dude? I guess. Uh, is that Howard? I I think so because that's the only I don't remember everybody's name. I think that's the only if that's the only other name I think that's got to be him because I didn't remember his name either. Yeah. So yeah, let's go with Howard. <laughs> um, basically, he you know he basically he makes an impression right away because the director gets there, knocks on the door, you know, introduces himself, saying, "Hey, we spoke on the phone. We talked about renting your guest house." Um, but this this guy is so old that he doesn't remember that conversation, and he actually pulls a shotgun on Wayne, uh, basically telling him, "Are you from the city? Are you or from the county? Uh, one of those. You're, are you from the city or the county? You know, trying to get money from me or whatever." And uh, basically, Wayne once Wayne convinces him that no, no, we spoke on the phone about renting out your guest house, blah blah blah. The old man finally does remember and basically. Uh, just walks them all over there. Uh, The old man at first is a little upset because Wayne did not tell him that he was bringing people with him, let alone he didn't tell him that they were (laughs) filming a goddamn porn in his guest house and and other parts of the property around the house as well, too, which seems like just a terrible decision, especially in Texas. Like, what the fuck is, what are you thinking is going to happen? You think an old guy is going to just let you have sex all over his property, you know, without telling him? I just poor decision making. But again, 1979. So I'll, I'll cut them some slack. Um, and then the festivities begin. You know, we start filming this porn. Our first scene is between uh, Bobby Lynn, Brittany Snow's character, and of course, Kid Cuddy, who is in every single porn scene. They have what is a fairly, you know, intense little session of sex on film. 
At this point, we we find out that RJ is the cameraman, and his girlfriend Lorraine is actually uh, doing the boom mic operating uh, for the uh, for the production. Probably because she's working for free, because who in their right mind invites their girlfriend to a porn set? That seems stupid to me, even in 1979, but what are you going to do? That's what Ty West wanted to happen, so that's what happens. Um, basically, uh, you know, we start seeing more and more of the old couple. At one point, uh, Mia Goth's character, Maxine, goes over to the house. Um, not intentionally, but the old lady kind of waves at her and kind of invites her over. They end up having um, what is another really cool scene in the movie where they're having lemonade. But what's happening is while Maya Goth and uh, well, while Maya Goth and Maya Goth <laughs> are having lemonade together um, in the porn that they're actually shooting, they're also having lemonade. Uh, Brittany, Brittany Snow's character is pouring a glass of lemonade for Kid Cudi's character at the same time that Maya Goth and the parallel editing in that scene is really cool because kind of like the contrasting reasons why the lemonade is being poured. Like obviously Brittany Snow's character is pouring lemonade for Jackson because she wants to fuck him. Whereas um, the uh, Pearl is pouring a glass of lemonade for Maxine because she actually wants to get to know her more because, you know, she's kind of interested in her, uh, we'll find out why or how in a little bit here. But, yeah, kind of mildly interested in Maya Goth, uh, basically, you know, saying, talking about her looks. At one point, she actually touches Maya Goth's belly and talks about how smooth her skin is, which, yeah, that that that's never off-putting at all. Not creepy at all when an old person says, I have nice skin. Hmm. Anyway. Um, and then... Like I said, we get more porn scenes. Finally, we get the scene with um, Pearl, uh, not Pearl, with Maxine, young Maya Goth, actually doing her scene with Kid Cudi. And that's the one that's a little bit more artistic and how it's shot. It's kind of shot in slow motion. There's some really cool trippy music playing in the background. During this scene, Pearl, the old lady, um, walks up to the barn where they're filming and looks through the window and sees what they're doing. She doesn't make a big scene. She doesn't even let them know that she's there, that she saw it. She just kind of sees what's going on and goes back to the house. Um, because of what she saw, it kind of turns her on. If, uh, you know, if, if the image of an 80-something-year-old woman getting turned on is uh, something you like, then, yeah, this movie is for you. Yeah, uh, she, I, I, I found that interesting like at the beginning well kind of what you're setting up here because at first it's like creepy old lady and then it's like wait a minute is she like enjoying what she's seen in a roundabout way and like those dominoes start to fall as we get through our story exactly um so uh the uh, pearl ends up leaving the barn and going back home because of what she saw in the barn pearl is turned on and she actually starts putting her arms around um, her husband and trying to kiss him, basically, you know, saying, I want you, I want you. And uh, the old man basically says, oh, you know, I can't. My heart will give out, which, you know, seems like a valid excuse. I mean, like I said, they both look like they're in their 80s, like not even 70s. Like they, they're old as shit. Like they're barely moving around. They're wrinkled as fuck. Um, so, yeah. So he basically pushes her away. And, um, you know. That's pretty much the end of that. She's left kind of unsatisfied and depressed and blah, blah, blah. 
Um, during her visit with Maya Goff earlier, she kind of shows Maya Goth some, uh, you know, uh, she, uh, excuse me, Pearl shows Maxine some pictures of her when she was younger and Maya Goth sees that she was, you know, she was beautiful, basically looked like her, which of course it is. It's basically Maya Goth in these black and white photos of Pearl. And um, Maxine, uh, uh, excuse me, Pearl, the old lady, basically starts talking about how, oh, you don't know how lucky you have it. You're young and beautiful and you can get anything you want. And, you know, I've, I, you know, I lost my husband early on. I, th I think she mentions that he died at Omaha Beach, so which, which would be World War II, that basically he was one of the first ones to die when they hit the beach. And, you know, almost implying is that she, as though she has just been horny as hell since then. Mind you, I don't think she's obviously she's not talking about the man that she's currently with, if that's actually her husband or not, even. I mean, they, she calls him that. Or should I say the old man calls Pearl his wife? But, you know, um, Pearl is seems to be pining for her original husband throughout the movie. So um, that evening, the the group of uh, kids are just kind of sitting around drinking, you know, having some beers, smoking a joint. And this is when they have the uh, the Fleetwood Mac scene, where basically just out of nowhere, for no real reason, Bobby Lynn and Jackson perform Fleetwood Mac's landslide quite beautifully, I might add, like a really, really nice acoustic rendition of it. And then as soon as they're done performing, Jenna Ortega basically, uh, you know, Lorraine, her character basically says, I want to be in the movie. Just out of nowhere. I mean, this is a girl that's, I don't even believe she's ever had sex, period. Um, and suddenly she wants to be in this movie. And part of the reason why she made this decision was because of a conversation that she had with Wayne, where she was asking, well, if you guys are in a relationship, how can you let her have sex with another guy? And Wayne basically explains to her that, honey, the cameras are on. When the cameras are on, it's not cheating. It's working. You know, she's not having sex. She's not necessarily enjoying the sex. Uh, she's just working. She's in front of the camera. She's acting. That's all it is, is acting. But once the camera is off, we love each other and we know we, we love each other, blah, blah, blah. That puts the idea in Jenna Ortega's head that even though she's dating RJ, uh, the cameraman, that she could be in this uh, movie. So when she makes that declaration that I want to be in the movie, RJ obviously is very negative to it, basically says, no, you can't. And she says, well, why not? And RJ doesn't really give her an exact reason, which that's his fault because I would have flat out just given her the reason like, no, you're not going to date me and then fuck a guy on camera. You know, just because Wayne is okay with it doesn't mean that Wayne represents every man in the country. Okay. Wayne represents porn directors and that's it. <laughs> so, but he doesn't, he doesn't do that. He doesn't lay it on the line. He basically just says, no, you can't. Jenna basically says, you can't tell me what to do. And lo and behold, the very next scene, Jenna Ortega is climbing on top of Kid Cudi with RJ holding the camera. Yes. The poor guy not only has to watch his girlfriend get fucked by a black porn star, he has to sit there and film it. Which, Lord knows what that does to your psyche. I could not possibly imagine. So, that evening... Uh, yeah, I would say if there if there is mm -hmm. any kind of, like, part of the story, I mean, that... She got pretty, like, confident about wanting to be in the porn pretty quick. But yeah, she, all, she, all, went all from, she went from innocent teen girl to 
fucking, you know, wanting to fuck a guy like in 2.3 seconds. Like the transition was just too fast and almost didn't make sense. I understand that what Wayne said in their conversation maybe swayed her. But the fact that it swayed her so quickly just seems really out of place for yeah, and not just not just swayed her to do it in the future, but like okay, uh, not only am I not judgy anymore, now I'm actually going to participate right now. Exactly. It just yeah, it, it seemed a little odd, but you know, not, not completely out of the realm of reality. So I'll allow it. So yeah, not that I was exactly complaining as it played out, though, but <laughs> again, General Ortega, another 15 year old looking girl. I don't know. I Look, guys, maybe it's because I'm old. But when I look at a girl like Amaya Goth, a Jenna Ortega, a, a Chloe Gra- uh, Grace Moretz, they look 15 to me. I don't want to have sex with a girl that I have to worry that I might go to jail when I'm done with her. I, I just I it just doesn't seem appealing to me. Look, if you're a 20-something-year-old horror fan and you're watching this movie, then yeah, Maya Goth and Jenna Ortega are probably the hottest things in the world to you. And if that's the case, oh, my friends, I have such an education to give you. But that's a <laughs> conversation for another podcast. That's your anyway, new sidecast. I don't want to talk about these women, just about their looks, because I'm sure they're all lovely women. But we are talking about a porn set. So, But again... You know, a barely legal porn is one of the most popular subgenres out there. So, I mean, I, I guess I can't argue with the demand, if you will. I just I don't like it. I, I want my women to look like women, not like girls. That's the end of that rant. I'll leave that alone. Anyway, <laughs> after uh, that evening, after RJ has filmed the scene where Jenna or yeah, where his girlfriend Lorraine has had sex with Jackson He's in the shower. Everyone else in the house is asleep. Everybody's in bed asleep. And he's in the shower basically crying, as expected, you know. And um, he basically makes the decision to leave. He's like, well, fuck this. It's my van. It's my equipment. Let's see how much they get done without me. And he literally packs up or kind of packs up because he does end up leaving his camera for some reason. But he basically just, you know, uh, gets dressed after the shower, jumps in the van and tries to leave. As he's pulling away from the farm, uh, there is Pearl blocking the only driveway out of the property. And she's standing there in a way where you can't see her left hand. She's like hiding her left hand behind her. And instantly I'm screaming at the screen, dude, don't fucking go near her. How can you not see that? It's so obvious she's hiding something behind her back in her left hand. But this dumbass. Because all he sees is an 80-something-year-old woman doesn't take her as a threat. My friends, if you've seen any A24 movies, you know old people are not to be trusted. That seems to be the theme over many A24 films. And, and, and honestly, I'm okay with that. Because I don't really trust old people myself, even though I count myself among their numbers. I am not to be trusted either. Just uh, think about that for a while. Anyway, uh, RJ gets out of the van. Starts speaking to Pearl, asking, you know, what's going on? Can I help you with something? Suddenly, Pearl puts her hands around RJ's, you know, around his shoulders and starts kissing his neck. Starts, you know, just caressing her lips across his neck and chin. And then she goes in for a kiss. Mind you, we're talking like an 80-something-year-old woman trying to kiss like a 24-year-old guy. Obviously, he pushes her away right away. He's freaked out as I think anybody in RJ's situation would be. Like, why is this old woman trying to get crazy with me? Um, After he kind of rejects her advances, she then 
exposes her left hand to reveal a knife, and she stabs RJ right in the throat. Poor RJ falls to the ground with knife still in throat, just kind of, you know, bleeding to death. Eventually, uh, Pearl does straddle RJ, not for the reason you're thinking, but if she straddles him, she pulls the knife out of his neck, and then she just starts stabbing him over and over. It is so gloriously violent in the neck, stabbing him over and over and over again until his head is completely detached from his body. You don't know that until later when we actually see the aftermath. But yeah, she just stabs him so much through the neck that it just goes through the bone and everything. So like I said, I really would have liked to have seen RJ survive because I always like in horror movies when someone does make the decision of fuck this, I'm out of here. Um, we don't see it in horror movies that often. Mind you, I understand that RJ wasn't saying fuck this, I'm out of here because of any um, threat or horror situation necessarily. It was because of his girl, you know, sleeping with a black porn star. But um, I still appreciated the fact that he was, you know, he he made a decision. He was going to stick to it. But then he ends up getting taken out. So it's like part of me is sad that he actually got taken out. But another part of me is happy because it's like the best death in the movie, at least in my opinion. Obviously, some people are going to probably like uh, one death in particular a little bit later in the film better. But we'll see. So, yeah, RJ is dead. And the old woman, Pearl, suddenly does a dance. She does like a Stevie Nicks dance around his dead body. With this cool, with with Don't Fear the Reaper playing in the background out of uh, the van. Like I said, great score in this movie. Great score, great soundtrack. Um, after that, um, Lorraine, Jenna Ortega's character, wakes up, realizes RJ is not in bed with her anymore. She gets up to try to look for him. She goes outside. She can't find him. Uh, she, uh, Wayne ends up waking up. And asking her what the hell's going on. And she, this is when she starts playing the victim, which really fucking pissed me off. Um, she basically is like, where's, where's RJ? I hope he didn't leave. I don't want to break up with him. Yeah, you should have thought of that before you fucked the guy in front of him. <laughs> Sorry, folks. I'm a little pissed <laughs> off about this. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's a little <laughs> bit unreasonable not to think he would have had some type of uncomfortable reaction. That's what I mean, like, Especially, yeah, because we go back to like how immediate was immediate it was. It was like, uh, it's like, come on now, like this isn't something that was long and planned out that you two discussed. It was just like, hey, I'm just gonna go ahead and do this now, and I don't exactly. care what you and, say. And like I said, his reaction as well. I mean, he flat out said, "No, you can't." So why did she think he would be okay with her doing it? He flat out said no. Just because, you know, he ended up leaving in a huff, and then Wayne follows him outside. They end up having, like, a little man-to-man chat um, where Wayne, you know, being the, the charismatic douchebag that he is, is able to convince RJ to just leave it alone, let her do the scene, because the more he fights it, the more she's going to want to do it. And then he's talking about how, and then if she becomes a star, maybe she'll take you with her. It's like, what? Nobody becomes a star from porns in the 70s other than maybe two people. So it's such a weird thing. Like, for the first act of the movie, the big takeaway was that Jenna, uh, that, um, excuse me, that Maya Goth's character thought she was going to become a star. Like a nationwide star from doing a porn. Uh, which, yeah, whatever. That's kind of silly, but again... Um, nobody in this movie is ultra intelligent, so <laughs> I can't put it past any of them. All right, so 
Wayne and um, Lorraine go out looking for RJ. Uh, what ends up happening is um, at this point, the movie just goes full throttle. Um, we're getting kill after kill after kill. Uh, basically, what we see is um, Jenna Ortega ends up getting trapped in the old couple's house, and she ends up getting locked in the cellar purposely by the old man. Uh, it's not an accident by any stretch. The old man basically locks her in the cellar, and while she's in the cellar, she finds a flashlight. She turns on the flashlight, and then we see what was on the wall at the be- during the cold open when the police made that shocked reaction, and they didn't show us. Uh, what we see is an adult male, very, very dead. It looks like he's been dead for a while. He, he's basically been stripped down uh, from the waist down. So his pants have been pulled down, underwear. He's basically got big, you know, floppy dead junk uh, blowing in the wind. Um, like I said, he looks emaciated, um, gray. So obviously he's been dead for a while. But Lord knows what the couple's been doing with them all this time. Though I'm sure... A- We all have some ideas in our head. Um, And then while this is happening, Wayne is out in the barn looking, also looking for RJ, uh, basically speaking like RJ's right there with him, saying, come on, RJ, don't get so pissed off about it. The more you fight it, the more she's going to want to do it, blah, blah, blah. He ends up stepping on a nail in the barn. He's barefoot, of course. Uh, he steps on a nail and then he's, you know, now he's kind of incapacitated. He, he can only kind of walk very gingerly. He thinks he hears a noise outside the barn and in the door of the barn, there, there's these three holes lined up next to each other. And uh, basically Wayne bends down and looks through one of the holes, doesn't see anything decides to look through one of the other holes and wham pitchfork in the fucking face. Basically uh, the three holes were for the three times of the pitchfork to actually get in there. Um, he, uh, what do you call it? Pearl stabs Wayne in both of his eyes, pulling out both of his eyes when the pitchfork is pulled out and Wayne is now dead in the barn. And she, she takes, she then takes the pitchfork and uses it to cover his body with hay. So obviously she's cognizant enough to know that what she's doing is wrong because she's trying to hide it. So, you know, there, there is still some sanity there in there somewhere. Um, at this point, um, Jackson ends up waking up. He's the next one to wake up. And when he goes out to the front door, to see where everybody is because he notices that RJ and Lorraine and Wayne are all missing. So when he opens the front door, there's the old man Howard standing there with a shotgun, basically telling Jackson that, uh, Hey, uh, my wife is missing. Um, Have you seen her? And Jackson of course is like, no, sir, we have not seen her, but if you want some help looking for her, I can help you. The old man basically says, well, It's dark out there and I don't have an extra flashlight. So how are you going to see? Jackson explains to him, sir, I am a Marine. Once a Marine, always a Marine. I spent four years in the bush in Vietnam with, and I never had a flashlight at my disposal. So trust me, if she's out there, I will find her. They end up going out into the, you know, the, the kind of the swampy marsh area around the farm. They end up um uh at one point we see a car a yellow volkswagen bug actually the back end of it is sticking out from the marsh very psycho like if you remember norman bates and psycho would 
throw his victims' cars. He would push their cars into like that, you know, that mud pit there near his property. Very much like that, except this was just basically a lake or a creek or whatever you want to call it. It wasn't very muddy. Um, at that point, when Jackson finds that car, he then sees the old man's flashlight on the ground and thinks that, oh, shit, maybe something happened to the old man. So he basically goes running, looking for the old man, doesn't find him right away. But then when he turns around, there's Howard with his shotgun um, basically saying, you know, oh, sir, I'm sorry. I, I, I thought you had gotten hurt. I found your flashlight. And then he says, well, I, I haven't found your wife. I'm not sure where she is. And then I don't remember what the one-liner is, but basically the old man says a one-liner and then just shoots Jackson in the chest with the shotgun. You know, not the greatest death, but uh, probably the death that you would need because you don't want to take a chance with an ex-Marine, you know, as an 80-something-year-old man with like a knife or a machete or something. It's like, if you can take him out quick, take him out quick. So, uh, Jackson is now gone. Now, uh, the next one to get up out of bed is Brittany Snow's character, Bobby Lynn. Now, uh, I did skip a setup scene earlier that I probably shouldn't because it sets up the next scene really well. Earlier in the movie, Brittany Snow's, or not Brittany Snow, Mia Goth's character uh, takes a swim in the lake that's on the farm property. It's very close to the guest house that they're staying at. She's taking a swim. It looks like a basically dead lake, like nothing living in there. Um, and, you know, it doesn't seem like she's in any kind of danger, but then we see the alligator. And this is where we get, once again, the A24 shot, that long overhead shot where we see Maya Goth's character swimming from left to right, or from right to left on the screen. And a couple of meters behind her is a fucking alligator, a pretty big one, too. I could have been a croc, but I don't think there's crocs in Texas. So I'm, I'm going to say it was an alligator, just a really big fucking alligator. Um, and just as Mia Goth is uh, getting out of the water, the alligator almost gets her, but she's able to get out of the water, you know, before the alligator is able to get her. So now we're back to um, Bobby Lynn getting up uh, in the middle of the night, looking for everybody, wondering where the fuck everybody is. Uh, she basically walks out of the guest house and she sees Pearl, butt naked, standing at the edge of the pier. And she walks oh, up to don't Pearl. Oh, we all? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, uh, she, she still has a blanket on her because obviously she just got out of bed. Not not Pearl. I mean, uh, Bobby Lynn has a blanket with her because she just got out of bed. But she goes ahead and takes the blanket and puts it around the old lady saying, oh, we need to get you back in the house. You know, are you confused or blah, blah, blah. Uh, the old lady basically then turns into just your basic religious cock. Uh, what do you call it? Crotchety bitch where she starts calling her a whore. And I know what you do. I know what you guys are doing in the barn. You, you're sinners and blah, blah, blah. We forgot to mention that throughout the movie, too, we are seeing a televangelist on TV uh, basically, the old couple, the only show that they watch on television is this one televangelist constantly harping about, you know, salvation and being evil and you know, blah, 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 save your soul, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, <laughs> um, so uh, like I said, Bobby Lynn is at the pier with Pearl. Pearl starts insulting her, calling her a bitch, blah, blah, blah. Finally, Bobby Lynn kind of has enough of it. And kind of calls the old lady a bitch back and pushes her a little bit. Not enough to knock her over. Just kind of, you know, pushes her on the shoulder. 
And then the old lady, I, I for, once again, I forget exactly what the old lady's one-liner is. She does say one thing and then pushes Bobby Lynn completely in the lake. Obviously, Bobby Lynn, no one knows that there's an alligator in this lake. So she's obviously doesn't think that she's in danger. She starts calling the old lady names. And then she starts swimming towards the pier to get out of the water. And just as she's about to get to the pier, up comes our friendly neighborhood alligator to bite her fucking head off. Oh, God, it was it was glorious. It could have been a lot better. I mean, it could have been a lot more visceral. Um, it, it is at night and there's not really a lot of good lighting. So you're kind of seeing it through silhouette more than anything. But it's still a glorious scene. Uh just because I didn't really like this character very much. Uh, I mean, I, she's supposed to be hateable. You know, she's the vapid bitch of the group, blah, blah, blah. Um, so, yeah, very satisfying watching the alligator bite her head clean off. Just good times. Good times had all around. Uh, after after Bobby Lynn is dispatched, uh, Howard comes back to the pier and grabs his wife. Uh, they end up going back to the house. Um, at this point, uh, the old lady... <laughs> Uh, I forgot to mention that the old lady at this point had gotten butt naked and got into bed with Maya Goth, uh, basically caressing her body, her beautiful body and her curves and her butt and everything else, um, which, of course, wakes up Maya Goth and basically sets off uh, all the events that I just described with everybody going after everybody else. Um so let's see. So now at this point, it's down to Jenny Ortega and Maya Goth's character. Um, Maya Goth basically realizes that the keys to the van are missing because the old woman took them out of the van after she killed RJ. So she basically goes into the house with a gun that Wayne had in the glove compartment of the van. She, she goes into the van, grabs the gun, goes into the house to, find, to try to find the keys for the old man's pickup truck. And that's when she hears Jenny Ortega screaming in the cellar. Basically, you know, after Jenny Ortega's character has her hand broken multiple times by the old man, uh, because she does find an axe in the basement, she ends up pulling a Jack Torrance and um, cutting one of the panels, basically chopping one of the panels off the door with the hatchet. Uh, when she reaches through the new opening to unlock the door, wham, we see the old, it hits her like, what, like four or five times with a fucking hammer on her hand. Her hand is all gnarled up. Her fingers are all curled the wrong way. Not a bad looking little effect. And he basically screams at her, I told you to get the fuck in the cellar, bitch. And so she goes running back down to the cellar. At this point, this is where he goes back outside to kind of finish off the rest of the crew. As I said, um, Maya Goth's character breaks into the house to try to get the keys to the old man's truck. She sees Jenny Ortega in the basement. Um, Jenny Ortega, at this point, doesn't know that anybody else is dead. Obviously, she's been locked in the cellar the entire time. So she has no idea. You know, obviously, she knows that the old couple's fucked up, but she has no idea that basically everyone else is dead at this point. So she's literally screaming where, where Maya Goth is basically telling her, shut up, shut up. They'll hear you. She, you know, Jenny Ortega's like, fuck you, it's your fault I'm even here, I didn't want to come here, you fucking whore, blah, 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 they basically just, you know, Jenny, uh, Jenna uh, goes off on her, and she walks out the door, and literally, as soon as she steps foot out the front door, fucking wham, shotgun to the face by the old man, uh, we don't quite get to see a good shot of it, uh, basically we see it from behind, 
But then later on, we do get to see the aftermath of the gunshot, and you can see that the gunshot blew off like half her face and most of her lips, so her teeth are exposed and everything. A pretty cool little effect. As Mike mentioned, it is a very visceral film, you know, I mean, for a theatrical, for a Hollywood theatrical film, yeah, very visceral. So now at this point, it's just Maya Goth's character left, so... She basically uh, confronts the old couple. They're, they're in hey, the process. Just, uh, sorry, mm-hmm. just to cut in really quick. Do you yeah. do you think they did a good job? Well, I, I guess it, it, considering what happened leading up to it, maybe you weren't so sure anyway. But I feel like they subverted a little bit of expectations with the fact that Gemma Ortega got taken out. Because traditionally, it almost seems like she would be the type of character to survive. And the fact oh, that she goes her. running out the door and gets blasted. <laughs> Her. Well, no, I'm not. No, I'm not saying I, I whether you like it or not. That she's just... kind of the innocent virgin of the group, but once she does what she does, all the rules are out. She is now just as bad as Maya or Britney Snow's character or anybody else in this movie. Probably worse because of what she did to her boyfriend without really realizing it. Like I said, so yeah, uh, I will say that I laughed fucking out loud when when Jenna Ortega's character got shot in the face. Uh, which got me a couple of looks from some people in the audience, which, yeah, I don't care. I'm there to have fun, and <laughs> I had fun. So at this point, like I said, Maya Goth um, is hiding with the gun that she pulled out of the van. She's hiding in the old uh, couple's house. She sees that they are pulling Jenna Ortega's body back into the house after shooting her in the face, and then that's when she comes out and confronts the old man And the old woman with the gun basically says, where are the fucking keys? Where are the keys to the truck? And um, when the old lady doesn't give her an answer right away, she pulls the trigger on the pistol. Lo and behold, the pistol is not uh, loaded. Yep, it's a completely empty pistol. She's just, you know, pulling the trigger over and over again and nothing is coming out. At this point, (laughs) probably the funniest thing in the whole goddamn movie happens here. Um... Well, two of the funniest things that happened in the whole movie. I completely skipped the octogenarian sex because I don't really want to put that image in any of your heads. But Thank you, God. Thank but you. you probably already have the image in your head, so Merry Christmas. <laughs> anyway. Thank you. <laughs> so anyway, like I said, as the, um, as the old man is pulling Jenna Ortega's body back into the house, um, Jenna Ortega's body kind of lurches. It kind of has that death rattle, you know, where the body's still kind of shaken even though she's totally dead. And it scares the old man enough that he has a fucking heart attack and dies right there. Yes. he, The old man was worried about being able to have sex and his heart not giving out, but he was able to rock his wife's world for, you know, a good five minutes there. So good on you, buddy. And he did not die from that. So that was pretty cool. Um, but of course, Jenna Ortega's death rattle was enough to kind of scare him to death. He has a heart attack and he dies. Um, Like I said, Maya Goth uh, pulls the trigger on the pistol multiple times. It's not loaded. The old lady then goes and picks up the rifle. She goes to shoot uh, Maya Goth, but it's a fucking double barrel 12 gauge, folks. So imagine a 90 pound, 80 something year old woman shooting a shotgun and yep it was like a fucking cartoon she literally shoots the shotgun and flies backwards out the front door like 20 feet oh god it was fucking the whole theater roared at that point it was fucking hysterical 
Um, so obviously she's on the ground and she starts saying that her hip is broken. Ow, my, she's saying, ow, my hip, my hip, please help me, blah, blah, blah. Maya Goth's character kind of walks up to her, almost looks like she might like try to curb stomp her or do something to finish the job. But I don't know. I don't know if maybe she had a, a, a maybe just a second of sympathy for the old lady because she starts to walk away. But then the old lady starts back with her insults. You fucking whore. You're never going to be happy. You're never going to be, uh, you know, in, in the presence of God. You're a piece of shit. Whatever. Just blah, blah, blah. And that's when you see the expression on Maya Goth's face kind of change. She gets into the truck. She gets she does get the keys for the old man's truck, gets into the truck and backs over uh, Pearl's head. And what is one of the more impressive head squishes by a car I've ever seen, because it doesn't just squish the, the skull cap, her skull cap pops off the top of her head. So like when Jen, uh, when, excuse me, when Maya Goth finally pulls away permanently from the farm, you actually see most of her head is squished and the skull cap is still kind of there, you know, with her scalp, a little bit of hair on it and whatnot. So yeah, kudos to the effects team. One of the better head squished by a car endings I've ever seen. Maya Goth then basically, you know, continues driving away and finishes the movie with a line that she had said multiple times throughout the movie. Um, something along the lines of, I'm not going to lead a life I don't deserve or, or something like that. I, I don't remember the exact line, but it was something along those lines. And then fade to black. And that is X 2022. But there's more, folks. Yes, if you stayed through the credits... What you get in the post credit scene, as I've said, I fucking loved. I thought it was glorious. Whether it was a real movie or not, I fucking loved it. What we basically get is a pseudo-trailer for the prequel of X that is just going to be called Pearl. And it's basically Maya Goth, again, as a young Pearl, and we kind of see her you know, going through some of her little misadventures. We see her getting, I, I don't remember every little aspect of the trailer, but yeah, it, it's basically showing that we are eventually going to get a prequel to X called Pearl. And that, my friends, is X 2022. Really fun movie, really great post credit scene. Like I said, whether the movie was real or not, it doesn't change my opinion of that post credit scene. I fucking loved it. I thought it was awesome. Um, well, gentlemen, what do you think? Anything else we can highlight here? Um, I would just say it's really a fun movie. Go see it. Uh, it's a, uh, it's the return of hard R horror. And, you know, for those, you know, I know everyone has different tastes. Don't, for those that aren't huge or are skeptical about A24 as a studio, it's this is does not lean into like the artsy side i mean you can make a case that there's some subtext going on too which i don't even think we really got into because it's really not necessary if anything i would say you know it's they might be trying to have some type of message about either you know what happens to you with the aging process how you kind of get left behind in society blah 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 yeah. but i don't think I think it was like kind of just there, but they didn't lean into it too much. And, yeah, no. and maybe with, maybe with the prequel, because um, she's going to be playing Pearl when it looks like Pearl's still young. And we maybe we'll see like, uh, you know, her at the end of her career and kind of aging. Maybe they'll lean into it more in the prequel. 
I have no idea, but uh, yeah, I mean, I even though the 324 is just fun. Yeah, I thought they did a pretty good job here with the subtext because it's not slapping you in the face. It's it's legitimately subtext here. You know, the whole um, this, just the whole thing with aging and guilt and, you know, just the loss of your youth, um, lost opportunities, things like that, you know. And obviously, you know, for women, yeah, I, I think I think uh, um, with the mm-hmm. age thing, they kind of went for the idea of as you. I I don't even want to say begin to age because, like you said, they're well into their 80s. I would say more when you're hitting the elderly years, maybe they were going for like the feeling of society kind of puts you in the corner, leaves you behind. And but you're still observing everything, but you're just kind of ignored. You're no longer relevant to society at that age. So maybe they're going for something like that. Almost kind of like the same thing with like amusement park. Romero's uh, lost. Yeah. I mean, this one definitely has more of a psychosexual undertone to it. Like, oh, yeah. It's, it's, sex sure. is the key, is the center of this movie, be it the production, the porn production, or this old woman. Because ultimately, you know, even though she's an old woman, she's still horny. She still, you know, sees herself as a vital woman who can still have sexual relations with her husband. Mm-hmm. It's just that her husband is a little older and he's a little scared to actually have sex. He thinks he might have a heart attack, blah, blah, blah. So, yeah, there's that loss of desire, even though his wife, because that's the thing, folks, that's the, that's the terrible thing is that women, women can have sex their entire lives. You know, they, you know, they have artificial like lubricants and things like that. If women, you know, can't produce natural um, lubricants, but for men, it's like, shit, if our thing stops working, it stops working. And even in your eighties, there ain't no Viagra that's going to fucking, you know, save you at that age. I mean, your veins are just too worn out. You're not able to get blood, you know, which, of course, is what an erection is. It's basically blood filling your penis. Um, obviously, when you get older, your circulation gets worse. So even being able to get that much blood in there to get an erection is a difficult thing. Viagra obviously helps for men, you know, maybe in their 60s and 70s. But even at a certain age, even Viagra isn't going to help. So and especially with this old man worried about, you know, it's hard. I'm surprised the woman, I'm surprised Pearl didn't have that same concern because ultimately she's just as old and, you know, she could just as easily have a heart attack during sex as well. I mean, hell, she's got this old man on top of her, for God's sake. So I don't know. There's there is subtext here, obviously, because I just saw the movie last night. I was only able to see it once. I wasn't able to do my due diligence for this one. You know, you guys know how I do. I like to do my research and watch a movie multiple times, but unfortunately it just wasn't going to happen this week. So even at face value, you know, even at face value, this movie is great. Whether you want to even dig deep underneath the layers and look for subtext, or you just want to enjoy it at face value. This is a fun ass movie. Um, I I can't imagine there's going to be a lot of horror fans who don't, you know, at least mildly enjoy this. Obviously, there's always going to be haters for every movie, no matter how good it is. But I mean, I, I'm seeing pretty much overall positive reviews, uh, both from critics and fans. So and it's sitting on a 7.4 on IMDb, which still sounds low to me. I would rate it higher. But for IMDb, a horror movie at 7.4, that's pretty stellar, actually, with uh, almost 6000 reviews. So, you know. Anything over a five for a horror movie on IMDb is usually really good to us. You know, we would look at it as much higher than a five or in this case, a 7.4 for X. But yeah, I can't recommend this movie enough, folks. As Mike said, this is the kind of movie that we need to support. 
You want to see more Ty West movies? You want to see more A24 movies in theaters? Go out and support this shit. There is no reason not to. Um, you know, this isn't like Hereditary or Midsommar that's not going to speak to every horror fan where a lot of horror fans are just going to be like, oh, that was stupid or that was boring or whatever. This is not, as Mike mentioned earlier, this is not your standard A24 slow burn. This is just a well-paced, you know, really a slasher. For all intents and purposes, this is a slasher. And if you're a fan of 70s slashers, there's no reason not to be a fan of this one. And if you're a fan of Eaten Alive, then there's really no reason for you not to love this one because I'm I don't care. I'm going to die on this hill. This yeah. is the Toby Hooper Eaten Alive remake. And I, I no one is going to change my mind on that. <laughs> hey, it's uh... and it's not a bad thing either. I'm not even saying that it's a bad thing, mind you. Um, I mean, this movie is head and shoulders above Eaten Alive, and that's what you want to see in your remakes. You want to see something better than the original. So, rock on, tie away. This is almost a lesson to Rob Zombie, like, hey, if you want to make like a yeah. <laughs> a remake of 70s horror, I, like, I feel like Rob Zombie gets some elements correct, but Very he skews so heavily with certain things that, like, he misses what, like, Ty West seems to get just from this one movie. I'm like, okay. Rob Zombie, reel in some of your other stuff and just, you know, go for the aesthetic. Definitely, yeah. Um, you know, Rob Zombie is going for the grindhouse thing. That's the thing. Ty West isn't necessarily going for grindhouse. He's going for that straight 70s cinema aesthetic. You know, the, 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 the aesthetic that we saw in Hollywood movies all the way down to independent movies in the 70s. And, and Ty West, I'm sorry, but he's a fucking master at this right now. Uh, after House of the Devil and this one, I can't think of it. Even Quentin. I, I don't even think Quentin Tarantino does the 70s as well as Ty West. And that's a bold thing. Well, 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 I was going to say, Ty West almost kind of feels like a Tarantino-esque like, horror director. Because he he's not shy about making movies where it's obvious he's been heavy in, heavily influenced and heavily influenced by specific styles. And he's not afraid to say, hey, you know, it might not be something brand, brand new, but I that's what I liked. And that's yeah. what I'm going to make. I, I, as I've said a million times, it, it doesn't have to be an original movie to be a good movie. You can use, you know, tried and true ideas, tropes, cliches, uh, influences, homages, whatever you want to do. But as long as the movie is good well written well shot well performed you know obviously you're not always going to get all of that but luckily we got it in this one so kudos ty west your your streak is still intact my friend all right well uh with that i think we're going to wrap this episode up so let's go around and find out what we have available for people to listen to other than fresh cuts Venom, you first. All right. Um, as I mentioned last week, No More Room in Hell presents Creature Comforts. Uh, episode number six is now available. We look at 1977's Empire of the Ants. Uh, this coming weekend, we will be recording episode seven of Creature Comforts, where we look at 1980's Alligator, which, of course, is the obvious choice with Alligator getting a 4K uh blu-ray release this month from screen factory i believe so yeah if you haven't checked that out uh check out the check out the film um and then join us for episode seven which hopefully will be out uh no more than a week or so 
after we record this weekend. Uh, the main show, No More Room in Hell, of course. Uh, what's our latest episode, Mike? Episode 42, I believe? Yeah. It's, and those, uh, were, uh, those were your Derek's picks. Derek's picks. Piercing and Perfect Blue. Oh, and Perfect Blue. Oh, my God. Folks, listen to this episode. If you listen to our shows... Oh, we really had a good time with this and that pairing uh, once again, thank you, Jerry Herring, because the pairing of perfect blue and piercing is absolutely fucking perfect. If you are familiar with either or both of those films, do yourself a favor, watch them back to back. They're literally 80 minutes long. Both movies are under 80 minutes without credits. So there's, I mean, literally you can invest less than three hours and watch this amazing pairing of films make sure you watch perfect blue first uh some people might consider that the better movie i think i do i think most people do so um but yeah yeah, that was a great episode we had a lot of fun breaking down uh perfect blue i had a lot of fun talking about the color theory of perfect blue um which if you've if you've seen perfect blue then it's very obvious how the the use of the color red is uh pretty prominent throughout the film despite the movie being called perfect blue <laughs> and we do talk about that a little bit so yeah join us for that one that was yeah, a great and, episode and thanks for joining us nikki williams on that from slumber yes. party massacre special guest nikki williams sister of miss lacy lou from cut to the chase and skip to my lou so yeah and of course both and you can you can of course hear both of them on the slumber party massacre with heather powell uh, Rebecca Reinhardt and Carly and Carly from 22 shots. So yeah, great show. I highly recommend it. I listen to it myself and I barely listen to podcasts cause I just don't have the time, but um, yeah, Don's horror countdown show. I'm really getting into and slumber party massacre are two that I'm kind of uh, religiously listening to lately, oh. but unfortunately that's all the time I have for podcasts. I guess I can skip Don now. Huh? <laughs> no. No, no, Don's got so much to talk about now. But yeah, that's it for me, folks. In the Mica Madness and Underwater Kaiju from Outer Space, still on extended hiatuses. Hopefully, fingers crossed, they're back sooner than later, but I wouldn't hold your breath. So, sad face. All right. I'll throw it on over to Don to let us know what he has out for everybody. Uh-oh. Oh, hello, hello, hello. Yeah, sorry about that. His new show called Hello, Hello, Hello. Oh, no, sorry about that. Um, About five minutes ago, my dog came in and started uh, vomiting, so I was uh, dealing with that, and I I, I had oh. to mute, so. No worries. Relax, relax. It was just water. Um, She drank too much. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it, it was just water, so, um, yeah, I was, I was dealing with that, and I, I, I had it on mute, and I forgot to take it off, apparently. No worries. So. <laughs> yeah, um... Okay, so uh, like Venom said, Creature Comforts, Episode 7. Uh, looking forward to that one because I love Alligator and I haven't had a chance to talk about that one at all. So really excited about that. Um, I do have the uh, guest spot on uh, The Horror Returns, the uh, Grindhouse Exploitation uh, March Madness show, which uh, I think it's two or three episodes deep in their feed um, if you're going by most recent. But uh, check that one out, that one was a lot of fun. Uh, looking forward to uh, my guest spots on uh, The House That Screams. Uh, I don't know if I've ever mentioned it, but um, the guest spot for that one uh, should be coming up within a week or so. I 
we'll be looking at the original Suspiria. So, Ooh. yeah. Um, Never a bad reason to look at that. Nope. Oh, of course not, because I've got the Synapse 4K version. So Me too! Oh, it's, 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 it's beautiful. Oh, it's I, 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 yeah, I, that's kind of... Uh, one of the few uh, 4K player 4K discs I have, um, at least 4K non-Arrow versions, because I still mm-hmm. have the uh, 4K versions I get from Arrow for review. So, yeah. Um, and then uh, the latest episode of my main show, the Horror Countdown podcast, I looked at my top ten favorite genre actresses. So. Not necessarily performances, but uh, just actresses in general. Um, I had a special guest with me. Um, I doubt nobody here will know, but um, yeah, we had a lot of fun with that one. Uh, As I said, it's part of my Women in Horror Month. So I had a female author on board to uh, talk with that with me. So that one was a a lot of fun. Looking forward to uh, the next episode. believe that's everything um you you already covered underwater kaiju's hiatus right yeah unfortunately yeah i know kind of sucks about that one but eh, what are you gonna do yeah oh i i did forget to mention uh, a couple of things actually upcoming guest spots that i have i just completely flaked on both of them um i'm gonna be uh once again i'll be making my third appearance on bo randell's podcast the dark parade we're gonna be looking at um 1981's Hell Night, which is a movie that I I, I genuinely love. I know I'm not going to sit here and say it's a great film, quote unquote, but it's one that I saw in the theater when I was 11 uh, with my older cousin. I fucking loved it. And to this day, it's just a guilty pleasure of mine now. So, yeah, that'll be on a future episode of The Dark Parade. And then uh, we're, I'm, I'm doing a big one. Uh, I'm going to be making my return to Cut to the Chase with Dan Chase and Lacey Liu. And we are going to look at the Christopher Nolan Batman trilogy. Yes, we're going to look at all three of them, break them down, and talk about Gotham City. So you're who they're waiting for to do the next episode of their... <laughs> well, I mean, you got to realize, you know the way I am. Uh, even though I've seen those movies multiple times, if I'm going to talk about them about a, co- a pot, if I'm going to talk about them on a podcast, I'm going to rewatch them. And that's what I'm in the middle of right now. So, yeah, um, when she asked me to do it, I told her I, I wouldn't be able to do it right away. She was cool with it. Um, you know, so we're probably not going to do it until hopefully next week no later than next weekend yeah it will it's funny because it, it was just um coincidental timing because I, I was listening to their episode that they did on x today and i think it's like the very beginning of the episode they're like yeah people are probably wondering like why we're releasing other episodes and not like continuing our batman retrospective but they're like we'll be getting to it don't worry <laughs> yeah that's me you can blame me you can blame me for the delay on this show, and you can blame me for the delay on the latest episode of Cut to the Chase. I'm sorry, folks. I, I started a new job a couple of months ago. I, I'm sure I've mentioned it multiple times, ad nauseum at this point, and uh, it's just taking up a lot of my time. Uh, I, I actually spent the last three days in Marina del Rey, California, at a uh, at an event for my company. So, yeah, it, it's just been a crazy couple of weeks, and the next couple of weeks are going to be just as crazy. So hopefully, uh, you know, you'll hear my voice on the uh, on the podcast waves more, but, you know, who knows? We'll see. But I'm trying to lock in those guest spots any time I can just because 
Um, you know, I don't have as much free time as I used to, but I still want a podcast more than anything. So, yeah, you got a guest spot for me? Hit me up, folks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and uh, I can't remember if it was the end of last episode or the episode before that of Fresh Cuts when you guys told me about the uh, the sadness uh, physical release, but I did go ahead and pre-order it. So, uh, looking forward to that. I can't wait. That's my birthday order. present to myself. <laughs> it, it gets here two days before my birthday. Ooh, it gets here the same day I record with Don. Nice. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> That's exciting. Yeah. Um, we'll just leave that as a little teaser for now. Um, we'll discuss more as uh, date, dates roll by. Exactly. Yep. Cool. Um, yeah, and I, I could mention it i don't really have much going on other than the shows we do uh venom already mentioned no more room in hell the latest episode that i'm guessing will be up before people are listening to this or at the same time it the, the episode's done it's it's shipped off to the powers that be that do the posting so uh as soon as that goes up i'm i'm gonna i'm imagining if you're listening to this episode that will be available to too, so check that out but otherwise yeah i am keeping it kind of low profile at the moment so uh we'll see i mean i've been talking to people but just kind of watching how much i book myself for now but uh yeah uh as far as our next episode i think originally you know, i was like oh well uma's in the theater but uh venom should i, I give a mini review it. <laughs> sure like it doesn't seem um, like you enjoyed it too much so it's it's a good it's a decent movie it's just incredibly slow with not much of a satisfying ending like not much of a payoff uh you guys know i love my slow burns i but the thing is is i need a payoff of some kind you know like a saint Maud situation where it's a slow burn for the whole movie and then the last five minutes are batshit insane that's the kind of slow burn i like but with um it's slow from beginning to end. Yes, there's some horror set pieces in there. Yes, there actually is a tangible threat. It's not a psychological thriller. You know, it's not all in Sandra O's oh head. Mm. But it just, I just found it to be so slow. And, and it's a lot of been there, done that. It's a ghost story that we've seen before, done better. Um, obviously, it has the advantage of having a budget. It is a big Hollywood movie with a, with, you know, a or B list star, depending on how you look at Sandra O. Oh. Um, it's very well shot. It's got a really nice score, beautiful cinematography because the whole thing is shot um, kind of like um, X, where it's kind of shot in a very rural area. So, um, you know, it looks pretty. It's a good story. It, I just didn't find it to be as satisfying as I would have liked. So as far as I'm concerned, I would still say watch it if you're a fan of supernatural horror. I just don't think it's vital that you watch it in a theater. That's all. Yeah, I'm sure I'll end up watching it once it becomes available. Um, <laughs> I know next week there's that witch movie coming out. I think it's called You Are Not Alone with the girl from the main woman from Lamb. She's also in Prometheus. Uh, the only the caveat. Tattoo. Yeah, the only caveat on that one, which doesn't doesn't disqualify or anything, but I looked up Showtime's here. And it could just be late getting added to Regal because that kind of happened with Uma as well. But as far as I see right now, I would have to go to the like our smaller indie art house theater to see it. Not that I I, I have no problem doing that. It's just it kind of like 
changes where like okay i gotta find out exactly when the showings and <laughs> it'll be just more of a you know, trying to I like, fit in the right time, but I like going to those theaters out here in LA for, for whatever reason, those little independent art house theaters out here have the best fucking candy. Like they don't have the standard candy that they have at AMC and Regal. Like their candy mm-hmm. is like, you know, they've got like really off weird off brands and, and they do like fancy popcorn. A lot of them, like the Lemley theaters out here have like yeah. six different kinds of popcorn. So the indie, the independent theaters out here, they go above and beyond to try to get people in the seats. Because obviously, you know, if you can watch a movie in IMAX at AMC, why would you want to watch it on this tiny little screen in an uncomfortable seat in an, in a little shit theater? So yeah. they they go above and beyond any way they can. Um, yeah, and I, and I feel like the concessions, like obviously, they're still overpriced, but it's not, not like a regal where it's like, yeah, it, it's kind of surprising. It's like. Yeah, it is popcorn, so there's pretty much no way that's not going to be more expensive than it should be. But it ain't regal prices, I'll tell you that. No, exactly. I mean, a, a, a hot dog that's six ninety nine at AMC is two ninety nine at like the Lemley theaters out here, and right. it's the same fucking hot dog. It's same mm-hmm. size, same everything. So exactly. Yeah, the the indies do what they can, especially after the pandemic. And a lot of them, especially out here in L.A., a lot of them didn't open right away, like when the big theaters did, when the multiplexes did, because obviously mm-hmm. multiplexes can pay for, you know, sanitation and, and or sanitizing theater seats and everything else, whereas the little independents are, you know, strapped for cash. But they are opening up again out here in L.A., and I love it because it's the only place I can get chewy sweet tarts. <laughs> and I love chewy sweethearts. <laughs> Not those powdery shits that you know that we get at Halloween, but like the chewy ones. Oh, fucking amazing! The <laughs> the, the original sweethearts, basically uh, bright colored cocaine. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Round pez. That's all it is. Oh, remember like pixie sticks? People would call that cocaine. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, yeah. Before this turns into a full fledged candy cast, um, we should get oh, out of here. So <laughs> I can better do candy. Fresh candy. Uh, <laughs> all right folks uh yeah thanks for listening we'll be back in a week to talk about something new there's plenty to choose from so uh thanks for listening catch you next time let's say bye to the listeners later Adios, folks and do not ever have sex in front of your significant other with another person on camera the effects are terrible <laughs> you might end up crying in the shower <laughs> oh. <laughs> peace Adios.